If you don't have an email list, then you don't have a direct line to your customers. Reaching your clients, audience, supporters, and fans with the right message at the right time in the right place becomes easy when you've got a strategic email list in place. My email list is the number one way I drive profits in my business. And major bonus here, it's a lot easier and way more fun than you might think. That's why I'm teaching a free live workshop all about growing your email list called From Zero Subscribers or Zero Strategy to an Engaged Email List That Lasts. I'll show you how to kick off your email list building strategy with no fear because I know it can be scary to start something new in your business. Save your virtual seat at growanemaillist.com. Inside of my free live workshop, you'll learn why email marketing is 10 times more effective than posting on social media, my secret to sending out weekly emails without adding a ton of work to my plate, my best tips for getting people to hit subscribe, and what to actually say to them to convert them from subscribers to paying clients and customers. Save your seat now at growanemaillist.com. That's growanemaillist.com to get started with an email list strategy that drives real results. I'll see you at the masterclass. We've relied on this idea of balance for too long, or we've kind of painted it as the goal. And I just don't think that balance can exist if you want to be a present parent. Hey, my name is Jenna Kutcher, and I am obsessed with all things business, marketing numbers, and helping you to navigate both the messy and the magical seasons of this thing called life. I'm a small town mama who took a $300 camera, grew a successful photo biz, and now I work from home and run a seven-figure online business. I teach you the tried and true secrets to building a career you adore. Shy away from the real talk? (laughs) No way. Money, hardship, growth, loss, and marketing are all topics we discuss here. Think of this as your one-stop shop for happy hour with a gal pal mixed with business school. Pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy, and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn. This is the Gold Digger Podcast. Get this. A past version of Jenna said that she would never agree to any kind of coaching program, the kind where she had to show up, go live and speak at a scheduled time on a regular basis. Truth is, the thought of having something on my calendar, even a few days in advance, stresses me out, let alone a calendar official commitment for an entire year. But that was a past version of Jenna. And frankly, I'm so glad that I changed my mind on this. Joining the online coaching platform created by my business mentor and friend, Brendan Burchard, turned out to be one of the best yeses I handed out over the last year. And I'm honestly so excited to keep it going into this new year. Growth Day is an online group coaching platform featuring live sessions from some of the most incredible voices in the personal development space. We speak on topics like confidence, relationships, focus, and productivity, and most recently, parenting. Now, if you're hearing this, I'm actually on maternity leave, snuggling up with our new little love and learning about how to be a parent for two kids. Before baby Kutcher number two arrived, I sat down with Brendan for a Q&A style interview about this very topic, parenting. In this conversation, which originally aired on Growth Day, he asks me about my learning moments as a mom, how I continue to learn and grow in this title that I'm so proud of, and so much more. And if you're curious about what Growth Day is or how you can join and get more, head to growthday.com slash Jenna. That's growthday.com slash Jenna. Are you ready to dive in? It's time for some mom talk. New year, new goals, new podcast recommendations. 
Because if I know anything about you, it's that you love to work with earbuds in, listening to business advice and entrepreneurial secrets from the best of the best. So let me introduce you to my pal, John Lee Dumas, host of the hugely popular Entrepreneurs on Fire podcast. Each weekday, John features an interview with entrepreneurs changing the game and digs into topics that are interesting as they are actionable. How to start your own business during a global pandemic. How business schools set founders up for failure. And the secrets to scaling a business are just a few of those conversations that he's having over on EO Fire. Listen to Entrepreneurs on Fire wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Movement for supporting Gold Digger. Movement broke all the rules when it came to making watches with fair prices, unexpected colors, and clean original designs. Be the big winner this holiday season with a gift from Movement. Go to movement.com slash gold digger. That's mvmt.com slash gold digger. Hello, hello, hello. I'm so excited about today's topic. So let's dive into parenting. Oh, this is going to be so awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Jenna, you're so amazing at this. I would love to begin from the beginning, which is that intention to be a great parent. And I know you're an amazing mom. Like, how do, how do you think through what even being a good parent is? I think a lot of it starts with your journey and kind of exploring your history and the desires on your heart. I know for some people, women and men, they always go through life knowing like someday I want to become a parent. And I didn't necessarily have that feeling. I was really? always a nurturer. I was a babysitter, but I wasn't that person who necessarily held that vision for myself, mostly after I got married. And I was like, this could be the reality of the next step. We live in the Midwest. A lot of times you get engaged. People ask when you get married, you get married. People ask when you're going to have kids. And, you know, all of a sudden you wake up one day in suburbia with two and a half kids and a dog. And so, you know, I got married young. We were 23 out of college and we really made this decision that we didn't think we would have children. We were very set on that. We kind of told our parents, broke the news to them. Like, you know, I just don't think that having a family is in our future. And it was really interesting because I think that a lot of how we approach parenthood is a lot of how we held visions for it. And sometimes we need to learn and go in a different direction from what we've known or experienced. And then sometimes we go in the direction of what we have been through. And so I started my career in corporate America, became a wedding photographer. And then I was like, recognizing that all of a sudden I kind of did have this desire. And, and I looked at our lives and I thought, you know, we're home most nights. We don't live this wildly crazy life. Maybe, maybe children are in our future. And I know Brendan, I'm curious for you when you, you know, met your nephews, it's a different kind of love than friends, children, or something like that. Seeing someone that, you know, is kind of a part of sharing your DNA. It's a different experience. Did you feel that too? Oh yeah, definitely. It's definitely, you know, number one question when Denise and I launched uh, a challenge we did called transformation week one time, like literally tens of thousands of people, like, why are you not having kids? You'd be the greatest dad. And everyone was so excited. Like you don't understand the love of this and everything. And it was like, Oh, you know, I hear you. I, I understand that. And for us, it was just a decision that we also never had that impulse yeah. Like I've never had a dream or a vision at all with children in it. Yeah. And 
which is wild because, you know, my friends, you know, they can imagine playing, you know, on the lawn or playing baseball or football with their you know, kids, taking them out, you know, parenting. And Denise and I just never had that clear vision. She did think, Denise did think at some point we would have kids when we got married. I kind of did too. Cause like you said, from the Midwest, we just, that's what you do, right? Yeah. Then when it came time to really start planning it and thinking through it, as we did, we realized, oh, that's not for us. Mm-hmm. And for those, I know some people will be really upset to hear that from me and they go, oh my gosh, you know, you don't understand. And how can you judge this? And I'm like, oh, I'm not judging it. I think kids are the greatest gift in the world. It didn't happen to be for us. Yeah. But, and people say who, Brendan, you, you would be an amazing dad. I'm like, well, thank you. And, and I would also <laughs> say, I would also be a great bank robber. It doesn't mean I should do it. You right? know? It's like, I think I could totally pull off a money heist series on Netflix. <laughs> I, I don't think I need to do that just because I could. You have to yes. make really important decisions for yourself, especially when bringing other lives into this world. And so for me, what has replaced a little bit, I guess some of that nurturing part of it is I have two nephews on yep. my side. So my sister, Denise has two nephews on her side. And we just like adore them. And there is a different vibe and feeling obviously than being just the, you know, the random neighbor kids. But I feel that children bring in a level of joy and engagement and patience. Mm -hmm. And I've seen this, imagine, you know, I've spent 20 years literally working every week with high performers around the world. 90% of all my clients have had children. And so hearing their discussions and their journey and their fears and their struggles about parenting has really given me some perspective about it and made me appreciate the parenting journey. So I'd love to ask you too, like, it is different, but it's also scary. I mean, do you ever have fears that you're not going to be a good mom or a good parent? Because I hear that from a lot of parents. Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, once we started to have the desire, it was, we saw our brothers both become parents and seeing, you know, our nephews and, and seeing someone so close to us go through that transformative experience and not just seeing the highlight reel, but the real of it, it was wild because we were like, maybe we do want this. And even with the challenges and things like that, And for people that don't know our journey, it took us three years to have our daughter. So we had two miscarriages. I had to restructure my health, my business, my life, and really prioritize if this is something we want, like we have to be willing to work for it. That was just how it played out in our lives. And I just want to acknowledge too, Brendan, that I think nowadays people push their opinions onto other people. So when someone says they don't want kids and then someone says, you don't know what you don't know, you know, you're going to regret it someday. I just want to say, I respect so much the people who stand in that desire to not have a family or people who are struggling to grow a family or people who have that desire, but have never had the opportunity or may not get it. And so I think it's such a, a delicate topic, but it's such a beautiful one because we all have a journey and a story in that. And I love that. And so there was so much fear for me as a woman, specifically to around career and what motherhood would do to my blossoming career. At the time I was a wedding photographer And when we started to try to grow our family, we had our first loss. And then the next following year, I literally had to wait to plan my pregnancies around my work because the wedding season in the Midwest was very short. And so Mm -hmm. I recognized 
I'm planning my life around other people's events. Is this, is this the type of business I wanted to build? And the year later we experienced another loss and I had to show up at a wedding and photograph it when I knew that my body was going through this process of losing our baby. And I remember thinking I've built something that leads me to a dead end emotionally. And I built something that if I don't show up, I don't get paid. Is this, was this the dream? Now to qualify this a little bit, you know, qualify a little bit, you were like literally a world-class wedding Wedding photographer. photographer. And your, your career, as she's saying is blossoming. She's recognized like extraordinary expertise in this, you know, really well compensated for it, but at the same time, not knowing, is it my thing? And you know, how to deal with that, both that feeling personally and professionally, but then also to now mix in family with that is right. It's definitely scary. It is. And I think too, it's like a lot of us, you know, fear actual parenting, like how the heck am I going to keep my cool? But I think too, specifically for women, but also for men, when we look at pregnancy, childbirth, and then if you choose to breastfeed, you're looking at a three-ish year window of your life where you are not in control. You're in the backseat, you're putting someone else's needs ahead of yours. And a lot of times when women do decide to start a family, they're at the height of their career. There is this real fear of if I go forward with this, if I do pursue motherhood, am I derailing my potential? Am I shutting myself off for possibilities? Am I ruining opportunities? And I think that that's something that isn't spoken about enough. And I think that's something that keeps women up at night is like, what is this going to look like? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a real consideration. You know, some people it's an easy decision and some, you know, like, no, I've wanted to have children my entire life. I'm going to do that. It's yep. going to be the number one priority and we're going to make that happen. Other people, there's mixed emotions about it. It's why I always say never judge people on their parenting choices, yeah. you know, because you don't know where they're at in their life in, you know, in their family, in their own like existing family in their relationship with one another, in the relationship with the families or the in-laws, in relationship to their career, in relationship, especially to their health. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's where a lot of judgment when people throw it at parents or people who decide not to have kids, they don't know people's health journeys. The extraordinary challenges of those decisions are very unique. Mm-hmm. It's why when people throw a hate at me or Denise for it, we're like, oh, well, we, we, we appreciate that. Yeah. But we, we hope that you would, we hope that you're happy. You know, yeah. it's, like, it's totally cool. Be happy with it. What would you say though, in that first three years for you was the hardest part and how do you start developing? Like a, people were asking like more of a, like a parenting pattern, like, yeah. okay, what's, what's that hardest part as it's beginning. And then how do you develop into that parenting pattern where you feel like, Oh, I kind of have a little bit of, you know, not control, but a little bit of understanding of this process and I know yeah. how to do it well. So it was wild. I was holding Coco the other day and I had this realization that I've had her for as long as it took for me to get her. So she's about three, took us three years to reach her and I've had her for three years. And I felt like I was kind of on this, on this chasm of like who I was and who I've become. And the thing about parenthood, no matter what your journey towards it looks like, is that there is this piece of you that is dying to your old self to become this new version of you. And it's this invitation of like, how do you want to rebuild this identity? And I think a lot about identity, especially too, when it comes to parenthood, because 
you know, parenthood can be consuming in a beautiful way, but in a confusing way at times where it was like, who was I before this? And who do I want to be in addition to this? And, you know, in a society that wants to give us these titles or wants us to, you know, explain who we are and what we do and how we serve the world with words that are title oriented, our identities are so rich, so nuanced. So, you know, we can wear so many hats even within a matter of minutes. And so the one thing that I've learned so much, and I literally wore it around my neck as a necklace on our fertility journey was just the word surrender. It was the first experience of motherhood where I recognize I don't have control. I, I love to have control. I don't like uncertainty, but in our journey of finally getting to have our daughter, I recognized that a lot of times in life, we find ourselves in these waiting seasons. We're waiting for the big break or waiting for the opportunity or waiting for the relationship or the spouse or the partnership or the career move. And a lot of times we just sit idle and wait. And when I look back at our history of loss, where, you know, people would say the thing, you know, everything happens for a reason. And when you're grieving, that's not a great thing to say. Mm -hmm. I can see now in hindsight that I needed to become the person that would be the type of mother I wanted to be. And I needed those losses to be a teacher to me that those, you know, those babies we never got to meet to impact me, to shift me, to become the type of mother I wanted to be. And I think what is challenging and beautiful is nowadays we are so much more awake to this idea of wanting to be present, right? Like it's this buzzword, but it's also this goal of ours is how do we be present leaders, present spouses, present partners, present bosses, present parents. And it can almost invoke anxiety of like, am I being present? Like right now, am I being present (laughs) enough? Am I here? Am I fully here? And the first year of motherhood, I just, I had this exercise of just grounding myself whenever I entered the room, like I am here right now. This is where I needed the most, whether it was working or mothering. And I think that we've relied on this idea of balance for too long, or we've kind of painted it as the goal. And I just don't think that balance can exist if you want to be a present parent. I think that you have to learn how to integrate your life, your work, your passions, your relationships in with parenthood versus trying to be all in on one thing and challenging yourself. Like, am I present enough right now? It's like, how do we integrate this? How do we build this in a way that allows us to do what we love and be who we love for the people who love us. And so, man, I've learned a million things, but I think that really learning how to integrate in my passion, my work with parenthood has been probably the biggest challenge, but also like the biggest benefit. I love that. That's I, I can reflect. That's what I hear all the time from parents too. And that need to have balance is usually maybe a little discouraging when they think that balance means equal hours. Well, I'll yes. have equal hours <laughs> yeah. with my work, equal hours with the kids, equal hours with my health, equal hours with, it's like, no, when, when balance means equilibrium in hours, you're toast. That's never going to yeah. happen. But when balance can mean an inner balance, a centeredness, a calmness, a presence, an engagement, an awareness, then balance is really more about an inner harmony. Mm-hmm. And it's about even with all the conflicting things, the broken schedules, the, the millions of obligations, I can still find a sense of harmony and fulfillment for my life. Yeah. Even as I'm juggling, you know, 50 different things or five different kids or three, you know, my, one of my business partners for the last seven years has eight children. <laughs> 
we were right? just talking about him the other day. I'm like, how does he even get them places? I don't understand. It. Well, listen, he's given me a masterclass <laughs> on parenting many times, just seeing he, how he and his family does it. He's also the seventh child of a seven family member. So he has eight kids. It's one of his brother's heads, you know, it's just Crazy it's really, amounts. it's really incredible to hear how he, he works through that. I just finished coaching and client who was an extraordinarily it was probably one of the hardest roles I've had to work with uh, as a CEO of a major, major company and, you know, had three children and it was constantly, okay, I want to do a good job for them. And mm -hmm. it was just asking about that intention and asking how they can do it in small and simple ways and really living in the moment while they can, I think is a great, not just something you're talking about conceptually, but it's a tactic. It's something to do. How yeah. do you deal with, let's, let's talk about the exhaustion. This is one of the, I'm asking questions, obviously, and again, not for me, guys, I'm, <laughs> literally our community questions that have come in about this topic. How do you deal with the exhaustion of being a parent? I mean, sleep changes very much. <laughs> and especially in those early days, but I think too, it's, you have to relearn what energy looks like for you and how you discern where your energy is most needed. I mean, you're, I love sleep. That was one of the biggest fears about having a child was I love sleep so much. Am I going to be able to function on less of it? And the answer is yes. But the answer is to, can you hear Coco yelling? I just heard this Coco. Is, this is the parenting <laughs> episode. But the other piece of it is, is that you also get this opportunity to figure out what productivity can look like. It was crazy. I remember when I had my daughter and I'd be like, okay, I have one nap time to get this thing done. It used to take me eight hours. I now have three. Your capacity changes, whether it's the capacity to love another human being more than you love yourself or the capacity to get work done. And so you've got to figure out ways to maintain your energy. I know for me as a mom, I really shifted the way I looked at food as fuel and like exercises, like movement and celebration of my body. And, and it was this shift in, you know, parenthood is constantly looking at like, what do you want for your kids? Cause you want the best for them, but how can you also pour that same amount of energy or insight into your own life? And I think we challenge ourselves as parents all the time, because we're like, you know, you want your child to be empathetic. You want your child to be emotionally in touch with themselves. You want them to be healthy. You want, you want all these things for them. But then sometimes when we hold the mirror up to ourselves, we're like, how am I reflecting that in my own life? Mm -hmm. Where do I need work? Because they are learning from me in what I do. And I think that is like one of That's the good. biggest blessings of a child is like, they are the mirror of what you do. So how are you making sure that the things you want for them are things that you also want? want and take for yourself, exhaustion aside, energy aside, it'll shift the way that you show up, but it also just shifts the way that you think about yourself. Yeah. I love that. As we look to the new year, you might be thinking about ways to hit the ground running with your business or even ways to help connect with your customers on a deeper level. We've talked about CRM platforms in the past, and I wanted to talk a little bit more about why they're essential for businesses in 2022. A CRM platform takes any customer interaction, like a sale from your website or clicking on your weekly newsletter, and it transforms that data into valuable insights. Insights like, when do my customers shop? And do my emails really get open more on a Monday? A HubSpot CRM platform is ready to help connect the dots between your business and your customers like never before. 
HubSpot is consistently working to make its products more connected than ever. With improved custom report builders, you can curate your data your way, making it super easy to review real-time reports on sales, marketing, deals, and more, all with just a few clicks. And if you're looking for cleaner data with a centralized system, the all-new Operations Hub Enterprise gives your team leads the ability to curate data sets for all users, meaning even faster and more consistent reporting. Learn more about how a HubSpot CRM platform can help connect your business in 2022 at HubSpot.com. Hey, gold diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. When you think about your husband and how he parents, yeah, what would be three things that you think he does well as a parent? Ugh. He does a lot of things well. So for those who don't know, Drew is a stay-at-home dad. It's been amazing. The journey to that was also really painful because we, when we decided we wanted to start growing our family, I had no idea that he had this desire to be a stay-at-home dad. And I think a lot of people glamorize this idea, but in practice, they're like, this is not what I thought. So when we had our pregnancy losses, I felt a lot of guilt that I was holding him back from his dream. Like he had supported my dream career for so long. He had basically handed me the baton and said, you run, you start your business as you go. And here I was not able to fulfill my side of the bargain or what I was telling myself. The story I was telling myself was that I was holding him back from his dream. Now, finally, when we had our daughter, his dream was realized in that he got to become a stay-at-home dad. And um, it's been just incredible to watch him own this role and this identity shift as well in a culture that isn't as accepting or welcoming to stay-at-home dads. Really? Have you had a lot of judgment around that? Yes. We live in the Midwest. And so I think a lot of times, you know, we've gotten used to it, but like a lot of times if we tell people that, you know, we spend our time throughout different places over the year, or we travel a lot or things like that, they'll look to Drew and say, well, what do you do for a living? Cause they're curious, how do we afford this life? Or how do we have wow. these opportunities? And they will always look at Drew and then Drew will say, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be a stay at home dad and to support my wife. And then they kind of look at me like, what is this? And Drew and I have this like <laughs> smile that we 
give each other of like it happened again, but you know, he's been called a babysitter. He's been called different things because of the role that he's in. And you notice things that you never noticed before, like male restrooms at restaurants often don't have places to change children. The women's restrooms have diaper changing stations. The men's don't things like that, where it's just culturally, it is still different. There are way more stay at home dads now than ever, but it is something that we didn't anticipate as much and something we love to push back on, but he is just the most patient being in the world right now. He's putting Coco down for her nap, which we all heard. He's so patient and he loves to encourage her in a way that I think is so powerful because I think, you know, a lot of women grow up craving their dad's attention or their dad's approval. And I think that the words that he speaks over her are just so beautiful because it's not him taking credit. It's him empowering her. Like you should be so proud of yourself instead of saying, I'm so proud of you. And I think the other thing that I just love is like their playfulness. They, he can get on the floor and pretend like he's a horsey and, and wander around for hours where I'm like, I can't do that. So he um, is just super playful with her too, which is awesome. I love that. I want to flip it and ask you that same question. When you think of like three things you do well as a parent, because, you know, I think what I've learned about parents uh, is they rarely pat themselves on the back (laughs) because there's so much insecurity and worry that comes along with being a parent and so much fear sometimes. And, but there's also so much goodness. And I think so few parents acknowledge themselves, give themselves credit, give themselves time, give themselves the, the gift of, you know, a sense of fulfillment and a sense of, hey, good job. So I know it's an awkward question a little bit because most people don't do it, but what do you think you do well as a parent if you had to boil it down into three things? I think that I am very thoughtful with the inner narrative and dialogue that I'm helping her create. So I pay very close attention to the words I use when we talk about things like our bodies or our desires or our emotions. I'm very cognizant of just the programming that we're giving her at a young age. Mm. I think I'm very nurturing. She just is if I'm in the room, it's all mommy all the time. And I love just being that safe space for her. I love being that person that she wants to run to. Today, we were walking down the stairs and I was holding her hand and she said, mommy, Coco, hold hand always. And I was like, I hope you hold my hand always. And then I would just say too, I love to paint the possibility for her. So I often think about her growing up in this non-traditional setting of her mom being the entrepreneur, her mom going to work. I used to almost hide my work because I didn't want her to see me working. I wanted her to just see me as a present mom. And I think now I very much celebrate what I've built in terms of a business that has afforded us the opportunities that we have. And I welcome her to understand the work as she's growing to really see like, this is what's possible when you believe in yourself and like you can create, you know, your own reality that's filled with choice. And so I think it's really cool. Like I'm excited for her to just be raised in this structure of like mom's working, but this is what mom gets to do today, not what she has to do today and letting her into that side of entrepreneurship, which was something I was never exposed to. So good. I know, I know you actually get this question a lot um, when you're doing your growth days here with us. And that is like, how do you, how, how does that work? Like a breakdown of hours? Like, okay, so it's, it's Monday. 
Like, how do you, because also so many people now, they are working from home yeah. and their child might be home because either schooling is happening there or, you know, the, the shuffle that we all went through in the last two years. I think people are still finding what their rhythm is or what they want the rhythm of their future to be with their families. Yeah. So what's a Monday look like in the Kutcher household? Yeah. So I very early on defined success with a lot of different weird things. Like I hate alarm clocks. If I can wake up without an alarm clock, that's a great thing. Me too. <laughs> I hate alarm clocks. So it's like, we are so similar. To me, I know crazy. success to me, looks like waking up without an alarm clock. But the other two things that I really factor into how I define success is being able to wake up my daughter in the morning and put her to bed at night. Those two things are like the bookends of her day. And they're really important time for us. So those are the non-negotiables. I will not start work until I've spent time with her in the morning. So we always have family breakfast, which I just, I love. I get her up in the morning, do her hair, brush her teeth, get her dressed. And then I transition into work. And what's super unique about our situation is that for the first two and a half years of her life, we did not have any help. We didn't have a nanny. She didn't go to school or daycare or anything like that. It was just really just us as a family unit. So it was really navigating, like, how do we integrate business and in family? How do we make that work? Now she's in school, which is just half days. It's really sweet. It's this little Montessori school. So now I'm finding, okay, now I have this new rhythm because she's gone from 830 to 12 every day, that's when I'm going to get the meat of my work done. So that if she comes home and wants to have lunch and tell me about her day, I'm present. I'm here. Drew needs help getting her down for a nap. I'm present. I'm here. But then it's just family time in the evenings, shut down time. I used to sleep with my laptop on my nightstand. I used to have zero boundaries. Now I'm so boundary oriented. Computer shuts down at five. We hang out for two, three hours, do dinner, bath time and bedtime. And then I get time with my husband, which is awesome and important too as parents to nurture your relationship and to make sure too that, you know, that is a foundation of how you parent and how your children sees relationships. So how do we nurture that aspect and that identity of ourselves? And then we start all over. So I used to work eight, 10 hours a day. And I would say my work days are now cut in half or, you know, just adjusted accordingly based on where I'm needed the most, whether it's in the business or as a mom, but it's always started and ended with wake up and put down to bed. And I love those times together. When it comes to content creation, you either do it because you love it or because you know it's a powerful business tool. Now, either way, it takes a ton of work. Whether you're building your website from scratch or struggling to manage payments, you need Kajabi. Kajabi is the ultimate one-stop shop that's been my go-to for almost a decade. Yes, nearly a decade. It's designed to help creators and entrepreneurs build thriving online businesses with steady recurring income. Whether it's blogging, coaching, or podcasting, Kajabi makes it simple to transform your passion into profitable online courses, exclusive members membership sites, and so much more. Over the years, Kajabi has been my rock from hosting my signature courses like the Pinterest lab to handling transactions without taking a single penny of my money. That's right. You get to keep 100% of what you earn. With Kajabi, you get powerful analytics, simple payment options, effective email marketing tools, and beautiful website templates that you can customize. And here's a little secret. You don't need a massive following to earn a great income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi who are making six and seven figures 
figures with less than 50,000 followers, and you can be one of them. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash goal. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash goal. Join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion today at kajabi.com slash goal. Gold diggers, we all know the B2B landscape can be a bit complex. From lengthy buying cycles to complicated decision-making processes, reaching your target audience can be tough. But I found a solution tailored just for you. LinkedIn ads. A whopping 79% of B2B content marketers say LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. That's because with LinkedIn ads, you're not just casting a wide net and hoping for the best. You're strategically building relationships and driving real results. We're talking about a platform with over a billion members, including 180 million senior level executives and 10 million C-level executives. You are networking with the actual decision makers. And LinkedIn's targeting and measurement tools are specifically designed for B2B marketers, meaning you're not wasting time or money on irrelevant leads. In fact, in the tech industry, LinkedIn ads have been shown to generate two to five times higher return on ad spend compared to other social media platforms. Using LinkedIn ads allows you to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to industry trends and developments, whether it's finding the perfect partner for a collaboration or uncovering new opportunities for growth, LinkedIn can be your secret weapon. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a hundred dollar credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash goal to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goal. Terms and conditions apply. On top of my many titles as mom, entrepreneur, and creative, I've also added host. Drew and I host on Airbnb on our favorite island in Hawaii. We started hosting as a way to make some extra income, and we've had such an easy breezy experience. Now we host year after year, and it's been a fantastic side hustle. Not to brag, but we've also been crowned Airbnb Superhost several times, so we are really killing the game. It's about having spaces we can enjoy as a family while creating memorable experiences for our guests, and it helps that we earn a little extra cash on the side. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That's so good. I love the intention of you know, making sure that the foundation that you and Drew are staying really close throughout the parenting journey, but also throughout life, you know, cause and I know a lot of people watching don't have that gift of having a partner as they're raising some of their single parent, single mom, single dad. And there's that, that double struggle of doing yeah. it all alone. And so a shout out to you all dealing with that. Cause we're seeing a lot of chat. I know on this topic, we always see lots of like parenting advice, but a lot of it's, you know, it comes from single parents and the yeah. challenge that that face with that. So I know you've had a lot of clients because you're a teacher as well as I am who really struggle with being a single parent and any thoughts for them. I mean, I actually have a team of a lot of women and a few are single moms. So I feel like I'm close with women and, and parents who go through that. And I just want to commend you for even being able to get food on the table or get your job done or get your kids showered. I mean, like I very seldom do Drew and I have to solo parent if someone's out of town or something. And I just bow down to the people who make it work Mm -hmm. and to the people who show up and recognize too, that there is so much privilege in having a partner and having support, whether it's family support or the ability to pay for additional support into your community. And so I would just say, 
you know, something that always strikes me funny is like when people who don't have kids talk about things like morning routines or, or things like that, I always just kind of laugh a little bit. Cause I'm like, it's different. It's just different. It's not impossible. It's just different traveling with kids. You can absolutely do it. We took Coco to Fiji and Australia and New Zealand. It's just different. It's all just different. And so I just want to commend the people who are doing this on their own to recognize that when people give well-intentioned advice or, you know, tell you to fill up your cup before you pour for others or things like that, it's okay to acknowledge that your situation is different and that you just simply are doing the best you can. And that is absolutely 100% commendable. And that's where I would just say to take what serves you and let the rest go because you know what you're doing is the best you can. Yeah, that's so good. I think that's the the major thing in all of personal development. It's like, we all get advice that's some of it might land, some of it might not. Some of it's like, well, that's relevant to me at this life stage because all personal development is contextualized on our life stages. And what's happening in our relationships or our health or our ideals at that time of our life, you know, just real. It's like sometimes personal development sounds really great, you know, take some vacation time off and you're like, well, finances, man, you know what I mean? So I think no other place that probably matters more in in that discussion than parenting of like, someone's going to, you know, I've heard, I've heard advice. that's so good in parenting for little girls, maybe not for, you know, I have two nephews who are boys or some advice that might be great when they're nine, not when they're 13. So right. it's just life advice and you kind of have to take where it lands. What's, what's some advice you got from other parents that, or a mentor of yours that you thought that was just great parenting advice. I want to make sure I implement that. I always just remember, I think Russell Brunson said it and, but just kind of like no success outside of the home matters. If you're not being successful in your home, like it starts there. And and one thing I want to say too, Brendan is like, when we were just with our, you know, we were lucky to get together with a lot of our friends, a lot of whom are parents. One of the things I found myself most impressed by is, is not the accolades or the accomplishments of these incredible leaders, but in the way that they lived out their values in their homes first. And you could tell people just cherished their children. They, they really are good parents. They're not just good people. They're good parents. And I think that you know, a lot of times we are pulled in so many directions. People have so much, you know, thoughtful advice about so many different topics. I never knew before becoming a mom. So many things are controversial, like how you feed your baby and and how you sleep train them or do you not, or all these things where it's like, you could really quickly like divide one another, or you can come together with this experience. It's going to look different for everyone. But I really just think too, it's like no success outside of the home matters. If you're not being successful and showing up in your home, And I think a lot of us, regardless of where we find ourselves in career or relationship or anything, we want to change the world, but we often are looking to these outside forces, whether it's followers on social media or this impact that we can have outside of our home. But I think, gosh, the most critical impact we can have starts in our home. And if we can live that out well there, then we'll be able to live it out in other places. So good. So good. Now you're coming up on baby number two. And, you know, it's like when people hear us talking through this, it sounds like you kind of have it all together a little bit. So what's, what would you say at this stage of your parenting journey is kind of an ongoing struggle that you're kind of battling and working through and trying to figure out? I mean, obviously outside of just pregnant, right? Yeah. It's like, oh no. Growing a human. (laughs) Growing a human. Uh, Yes. (laughs) But an ongoing struggle you feel like in parenting. 
Yeah. So, I mean, it's been such a trip because like I said, all of this is coming from the context of a mom of one. So anyone who has more children, they're probably like, oh, this girl is about to have her world rocked, which is great. <laughs> right. I welcome it. And so all of this is coming from a very limited experience of my own experience, but you know, even, even in deciding to grow our family again and throwing myself into the ring of that again, it was really emotional because I just knew that sometimes you can plan all you want, but the outcome might not be what you expect. And so really having to prepare myself emotionally and physically to become pregnant, but then also to stay pregnant is just a lot on top of career and being a mom already. And so I think a challenge is just really understanding like, how are we going to shift our identities again? We've already done it once, but for me, the first year of motherhood was so precious and beautiful, but you're also kind of in this fog and you're kind of in this situation of like, who am I? Who am I outside of being a mom? What does it look like? Uh, what do I want it to look like? And, you know, as someone who has a career, who's very passionate, who, you know, has a team of 10 who are all women who are on, in different stages of their their own, you know, growing their family journey. It's like, how do I want to model what I want for myself as a mom to allow other people, whether it's followers, people of this community, people within my community, how do I want them to see what motherhood could be? And how do I want to set that example? And, and it's not my job to paint that picture for everyone but it's a standard I hold myself to. I don't just talk the talk. I want to walk the walk. I want to be the kind of mom that I talk about. So I think it's like, it's this anticipation. I think God made pregnancy like nine, 10 months for a reason is like, you need that time to mentally prepare for this shifting and for this selflessness and for this new version of you, that's also going to be birthed when you birth this human. And so it's kind of like this anticipatory phase of like, I know I shifted so much when Coco came into the world, what is this next shift going to look like? And how can I not resist it, but appreciate it for what it is? That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I see so many comments and questions uh, when we teach on this here and you're sharing this. What's a question I should ask that I haven't asked about parenting? What's your best advice you could give someone? And what I would tell you is take what serves you, leave the rest behind. But also the thing about parenthood that I never expected, that I never understood was that everything is temporary. And there's beauty in that. And there's also sadness in that. The sleepless nights, they're temporary. Your child snuggling you, that's temporary. Mm. The hardships and the joy are both so fleeting in parenthood that, you know, all those silly like embroidered pillows that are like, you know, like I blinked and my child grew up or, you know, live, laugh, love, like all of those things. They're all true. And nobody prepares you to really see like, holy crap, people weren't just saying this. It does go by fast and it does change you. And, you know, everything is so fleeting. And I think some days I find myself because I have this desire for presence feeling like, am I, I'm awake to this, but like, am I going to remember? I want to remember this exact moment. I don't want to forget this. And it all does become a blur in a beautiful way, but you know, everything is temporary. So if you're in the hard part of parenting, I just want you to remember it's temporary. If you're in that joyous stage, like really just like own it and embrace it because that's temporary too. And the only constant in parenting is that it's constantly changing. And so those were just things that I didn't understand, but now I just have appreciation for because it stretches you and it grows you and it helps you to evolve. Oh, I love that. 
Love that. What a great moment to finish on, Jenna. So incredible. If you all would do me a favor, make sure that you've captured here in your chat or in your notes, some of the best lessons that you've learned about parenting to share with the community. I think that they will love that, especially if you're watching the replay later in the comment section here for Jenna. Also, make sure that you give Jenna a shout out of appreciation and love for her time being here, here. I mean, doing this session with us at such a critical time in her life. We appreciate you, Jenna, and everyone watching on behalf of me, Jenna, and the whole team. Thank you for your dedication to personal development. Thank you for making that a priority today. Thank you for making even the way that you think about your parenting today a priority, because with that intention becomes even better habits, better actions, and in this world, better families. So thanks everybody. Our mission is to make every day a great day to grow, and we did today together. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. I know not every listener of the Gold Digger podcast is a mother or father or doesn't even want to be here. Maybe you're where I was years ago, experiencing loss and all of the things that come with it. Wherever you stand, I hope that this conversation was helpful to understand the perspective of someone who has been in each of those places before. Not a mom, didn't want to be a mom, a mother going through loss, before becoming a mom of two sweet children. If you want to see what Growth Day is all about and listen in on more of these conversations covering personal development topics, try it out for free at growthday.com slash Jenna. That's growthday.com slash Jenna, where you can learn from Mel Robbins, Gloaton, Mo Dave Hollis, Brendan Burchard, Jamie Kern Lima, and so many other incredible teachers that are waiting for you. I am so excited to be a part of this platform and I cannot wait to teach live monthly on it. Again, that is growthday.com slash Jenna. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Gold Digger podcast. Until next time, keep on digging your biggest goals. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of the Gold Digger podcast. Did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, head over to golddiggerpodcast.com for show notes and all the discount codes from today's sponsors. And if you're looking for a new crew of movers and shakers like you to bounce ideas and ask questions, be sure to join my exclusive community for gold diggers on Facebook. The link's waiting for you at golddiggerpodcast.com. Hey, Gold Diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer care team is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and I was there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. 
Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more.